sword in the cup, is it? And here's a thing, right? Oh, come Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Do you know what the crack is? What? It's a crack. But I'll tell you something funny. If you knock this wall down, the crack would stay put because the crack isn't in the wall. Where is it then? Everywhere. In everything, it's a split in the skin of the world. Two parts of space and time that should never have touched. Pressed together. Dickheads, like a pink laser beam of truth beaming straight from San Diego, California to your brain hole. We have transmitted our signal from alternate Earth to you and are ready to talk about our favorite Philip K. Dick novel, The Crack in Space. <laughs> Showing our hand early, David. Yeah. Uh, well, hey. Um, it's This is our last episode of the season, and we're going to take a little break after this one, and so get your hot takes ready and off the griddle, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we got a good one here uh, to talk about anyways, I'm not necessarily, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, Yeah, but the Crack in Space is the one we're going to talk about today. Um, to my left is... Anthony Planet Wedding Trevino. Trevino. That's me. Yeah, um, I'm David Agronoff, author of Goddamn Killing Machines and Punk Rock Ghost Story, and... I'm Langhorn J. Tweed. Yeah! That's my dude. All right. <laughs> um, we have not recorded basically anything since Dr. Blood Money, so... That's true, Dr. Brood Money. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we can start off with the uh, PKD news. And first and foremost... Still I dead. Still... <laughs> Well, <laughs> moving on, moving on in a similar note, but uh, I think an interest, interesting fact to note is that Blade Runner is now in the past. As of the recording of this, yep. we are now in December 2019 mm -hmm. and uh, Blade Runner is a historical document now. So um, oh, that means Escape from New York's been a. Oh, yeah, that one's long gone. document for a while now. Yeah, yeah, it has been a historical document. Uh, but I think, uh, it was kind of neat to see that at the beginning of November and at the end of the month, there were a lot of people noting this historic event on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It was kind of neat to see uh, a lot of love out there for Blade Runner. Yeah. And the other thing going on in current, uh, history with, um, or a current time with Philip K. Dick is that the final season of Man in the High Castle just came out. So that's a pretty big deal, considering that that keeps Philip K. Dick in the consciousness. Yeah, I have a, I know a lot of people that are really excited about the final season. Yeah, I just started season three myself, and I thought the premiere for season three was really, really strong, which is hmm. good because I kind of waffled on season two, but I really did like the premiere of season three. So I'm going to, Hopefully, by the next time we record, I will have finished uh, seasons three and four. Although, I like to watch shows very slowly, because I like to watch 
one week at a time, basically, and, like, all the different shows that I watch. Right. So you don't binge-watch shows, then? I do not binge-watch shows. Yeah. I do not... I did when uh, uh, I was forced to because I was getting shows on DVD from the library. The next segment is Dick Like Suggestions, and I believe, Anthony, you have a Dick Like Suggestion this week, this time. Awesome. I do. Am I going first? Is that what that meant? Yeah, you're going first. So, in between reading other books, I've been making my way through Eric Davis's Nomad Codes, Adventures in Modern Esoterica. Basically a collection of essays that he's written for the last, like, two decades. It's not a new book, but... um. It covers everything from psychedelic drugs to Lovecraft, Philip K. Dick, Gnosticism, uh, and all kinds of things. Dubstep, like uh, the the roots of reggae. <laughs> is he freelance, or is he? Does he work for a, a magazine? Or I something? think he's worked in the past. I think he's worked for Wired and, and some other other okay outlets like that. But it, I've it's, heard him on Coast to Coast. Yeah, and Eric Davis is somebody who I actually found out about through one of my other favorite podcasts called Weird Studies. So eventually I'd like to have him on Dickhead so we could talk Philip K. Dick, because he's a huge Dick fan. Langhorn, do you have a Dick-like suggestion this week, and is it a video game? I do, and it's not. Whoa! Uh, what is it, then? <laughs> Whoa. So I'm, is I'm it a, a Pornhub simulation? <laughs> well, we need a simulation for Pornhub? <laughs> I mean, VR's a thing now. <laughs> they do have VR porn. I've heard of it. I mean, from friends. I mean, from people I don't know. From no one. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's no such thing. Anyway, <laughs> the, um, uh, the thing I, I'm, a, I'm a big YouTuber, right? I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube and I, I try to post stuff on YouTube, but there's a, a channel on YouTube called Corridor Crew, which is a bunch of special effects guys who, got together uh after working a bunch of jobs in in LA and they formed their own their own company and they make short films uh that are are based on or or that that try to uh focus on special effects and stunts and and doing stuff like that so they they make videos about the making of their stuff but they do stunt videos they have stuntmen on and they talk about doing stunts and good stunts and bad stunts. And they talk about good special effects and bad special effects. Right on. Things like that. And I guess it, it ties to Dick because, you know, a lot of Dick's movies that they make are special effects heavy and stunt heavy and all that stuff. So because it's a good channel to check out, Corridor Crew. I think we tend to still see a Dick property and then say action movie. Yeah. With the exception of like a handful of other movies. Yeah. Adjustment Bureau. Skinner Dark, but <laughs> not falling for it. Um, magic hand. Okay, that sounds interesting. Uh, uh, was Corridor Channel? Corridor Crew. Corridor Crew. Corridor On crew. YouTube. On YouTube. I will check it out. What's your recommendation, David? I've got two books that I read in the last month that I think are dick-like suggestions. Uh, one is Million Mile Road Trip by Rudy Rucker, um, which is the first novel Rudy Rucker has released since 2013. And if you're not familiar with Professor Rucker, he is one of the original cyberpunks, the first winner of the Philip K. Dick Award in 1982 with his novel Software. And he was a famous mathematician and um, he's a big surfer in uh, Santa Cruz. 
And he writes really gonzo, crazy, weird science fiction. And Million Mile Road Trip is really freaking weird science fiction. And it's about some teenagers who decide after a surfing trip that they're going to go on a road trip and they put giant monster truck wheels on their station wagon and travel through space and time and end up at a place called Mappy World. And it is really fucking... Mappy? Yeah, and then they find out that these living flying saucers are planning on invading the Earth from this other dimension and they have to stop it. It's really funny. It's really good. It might be a hundred pages too long. Um, but that could, I read it when I was, um, on the way back from my father's funeral in Indiana. So I was a little out of it when I read it. And then the other one I'm going to go a little shorter on is by Karen Lord. And she's a one time physics teacher turned Afro Caribbean science fiction writer. And she wrote a murder mystery called Unraveling that takes place inside a memory labyrinth with this, where they're trying to solve the mystery of this murder in this, yeah, it's in a, um, a memory labyrinth, time and memory labyrinth. It is really? a really crazy weird book and super good. It's one of the best books I read this year. And what was hilarious is when I went to Goodreads, I saw a bunch of reviews saying, huh? <laughs> and that's very reminiscent of all the reviews of Three Stigmata I read that weren't all about it. Right, right. We're just, huh? Yeah. What happened in this book? Right. And so um, I thought Unraveling was genius, but I was afraid people wouldn't get it. And when I read a bunch of the reviews on Goodreads, I was like, it was very painful. A bunch of people didn't get it. A bunch of people didn't get it. But I think dickheads will really enjoy this. It's Unraveling by Karen Lord. That's how I feel every time I read a review for Cody Goodfellow's Perfect Union. Oh, yeah. yeah. When people yeah. go, what? Which is, in my opinion, the best horror novel of the last 20 years. It's I just want to take an opportunity. This is not related, and the movie could probably suck, but I want everybody, when it comes out, to go see Richard Rise Stanley's of adaptation of The Color Out of Space. Rise of Skywalker? Be- <laughs> shut up, because it looks amazing, and I love Richard Stanley. Yeah, I've heard lots of good stuff about that. What that is a, who is Richard Stanley? Um, he... He was a he's a weird filmmaker who made didn't he make Layer of the White Witch? Oh really? Hardware. hardware. Oh, he did hardware. He did yeah. hardware and Dust Devil. Movie. Yeah, he made a couple movies and then he basically was put in director jail. Yeah, for, for years. Yeah, and then he um was supposed he was the original director of the Island of Doctor Moreau. Okay, and then uh, that's why he got thrown in director jail. And yeah, and then they. I forget what the whole what they the, the issue was. They canned him, but if you get a chance to watch the documentary, which yeah, I, I actually no, I have seen that. That documentary yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it is. Um, and Richard <laughs> Stanley, cool dude. I hung out with him and Cody at Lovecraft Film Fest a few years ago. Humble brag, yeah. Um, but anyway, I just Sorry, I want there, there's some names on the floor there. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Let me do it. I don't get to do it very often. Um, but I just I watched the trailer for The Color Out of Space, and I just don't think we get enough of these over-the-top, psychedelic-type movies. Right. With the exception of, you know, Mandy. So apparently Nick Cage is in both of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? I, I, I just want to yeah. kind of see movies like that more supported so I can go see more of them. Yeah. Anyway, that's a tangent not related to PKD, sorry. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage is doing, like, ten completely shit 
direct to streaming junk. But for everyone. In every order one, to pay for that, yeah. For every one movie is pretty good. Yeah, one out of 12 ain't so bad when, <laughs> when you make the ones that Nick Cage is making. Um, yeah, I thought Colorado Space looked good too. I've, from, from, I had a lot of friends that were at Lovecraft Fest when it played in Portland mm-hmm. and the, the buzz is that it was good. However, when you see a movie in that environment, sometimes you're a little bit more forgiving. I don't know. So, oh, yeah. We'll see. Definitely. Yeah. Sure. I saw Mandy in a mostly empty theater with Brandon, and it's still great. Yeah. I love Mandy, too. It's on my best of the decade list. Yeah. So, um, but. Uh, what else do we do on this podcast? Ah, uh, well, you know. This That's book- it. We're done. <laughs> wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> nice try. PSA. Uh, this book was released in 1966. David, <clears throat> what was happening in 1966? Well, in 1966. Oh, but if David were more of an edgelord, he would have said 1966. <laughs> Definitely not that much of an edgelord. Sorry. <laughs> um, that was a year that Miranda Wright's warnings became law. So, um, China's cultural revolution began. There was a subway strike in New York. Mini skirts were in fashion, according to the internet. <laughs> but Miranda writes, mini skirts were on fire. And uh, Charles Whitman killed 14 and injured 31 on a killing spree at the University of Texas, which is one of the first, like, real famous mass, mass shootings. shootings. Yeah. And a very famous one. That was the, uh, that's the uh, clock tower one, right? Yes. Inspired the Stephen King story. Uh, what was Kane rose up, I believe. You know better than, if you don't know, then I certainly don't know. In <laughs> yeah. Skeleton Crew. Uh, and that was the year that the U.S. really ramped up Vietnam, sending over 500,000 troops to Vietnam. A really tiny country, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So, that's what was happening in 1966. And around that time, our friend, uh, Phil K. Dick released the Kraken Space. Yeah. The crack in space. Space, 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 space. Wow, wow, guys, we gotta, we are walking that line of being a Howard Stern show. Let's not do that. Yeah. So, uh, crack in space was written directly after uh, Phil finished Clans of the Alphane Moon. That's so shocking. And right before he wrote Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge. Also shocking. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, he just took a big giant turd in between two good books. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, I'm not a huge fan of the clans, so, uh. Which but, I what? Yeah, but I know you guys are. I know, I know. It's all subjective. Oh, that's right. That's the one where you want just a totally different book. Yeah, I wanted a different book. But, um. <laughs> well, if you just change the main character, make it a different person, and then change the plot, it's no, a no, great no, no. story. I didn't want to change the plot, I just wanted to change who the POV was. That's all. <laughs> With clans of the Alphane Moon, but we're not talking about clans of the Alphane Moon. We're talking about... But we did in episode 25. Yeah. The crack... In space. In space. Uh, Smoking crack in space. Um, And of course, because it's Philip K. Dick, he had a really bad title for it before the crack. Oh, Oh, I cannot wait. I didn't look at the notes this time, so I cannot (laughs) wait to hear what this title was. The original title refers to... A Tear in the Sky. The short (laughs) title in English, uh, The Sleepers Awake... Of uh, Box Cantanta B W V one forty. Cantata one forty one. So it, is the actual is an alternate title to this book. 
Yes. So the novelette, the original novelette was Cantata? Cantata? Cantata. I'm sorry, I'm not a classical music guy. Cantata 140, which... So apparently Philip K. Dick thought, you know what this book needs is a really obscure classical music... Well, it's not obscure. I mean, it's it's Bach. So... Well, I think it would be obscure for most people. I don't know. Maybe in 1966 there was more awareness of... Yeah, I'm not saying it's a good... That's a good title in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's a bad title. But I I don't know how obscure it is. So yeah, so the original, the the short title that um, "Sleepers Awake" is kind of the idea that he was getting at. So from the reference to Bach, um, and the first half of this novel was published under that title in as a novelette. Is it one? It's one forty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was 141, which I, I thought would be better because it would be, you know, one after the, the Bach concerto. No, it is. But of course not. No, why would it? No, it's the same. So he basically named the no- novelette after, or the original title of the novel was this, um, concerto from Bach. So the SL, the SM. Or an opera. LA. Operetta. Agency. Yeah. Uh, got the manuscript for the novelette on September 9th, 1963. The finished novel came on March 17th, 1964. So here's the thing. When he says it's written between clans and three stigmata, the novelette was written before, and all the short stories that make it up were written but before clans, but between Clans and Three Stigmata, he punched it up into to a novel. So he was like, let's make <laughs> this leftover quiche yeah. that tastes like shit. Well, yep, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it was first published in February 1966 by Ace Books, and there are Let's three- take all these leftovers and make goulash. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I do like goulash, though. <laughs> so the three short stories that fed into this, and we'll get into each of these stories, I... I read two of the three um, to prepare for this, but our prominent author, Stand By, and What'll We Do with Raglan Park? Um, there's bits and pieces of all. Raglan Park? Raglan Park. That's Is that one. a name? Yes. And I that was the nice. story I could not find. Uh, that I did not have. So I could not read that one. So, I mean, I could have put more energy into it, but I didn't think it was that important. But, um... <laughs> In June 1964, in a letter to James Bliss, um, BKD refers to Cantana 140, which he said was a cut-down version of a 60,000-word novel, hence somewhat aborted. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so there, you do wonder when you read this quote in this letter that maybe perhaps there is a version of the novel first. But from all indications, it appears that he punched it up and turned it into a novel after the novelette was sent to the literary agency. Okay. But, but that's that's where there's controversy over when when it was written. Um, so there is that controversy. It's funny. There are there's no quotes from Phil on this book. He never talked about it. He didn't really, other than that one quote in that James Blish letter. Uh, Terry Carr, who was an editor at Ace Books at the time, has a funny story, and he said, quote, My favorite story about Ace's title changes has to do with another Phil Dick book, which he called Cantata 140. 
It concerned, among other things, a whorehouse in orbit around Earth. When I saw the memo that said the title had been changed to The Kraken Space, I rushed into Don's office and explained the double entendre to him. Oh, man. <laughs> I just got that. Yeah. He'd, <clears throat> he'd intended the title to refer to leakage, to a leakage between dimensions in the novel. Don said, oh, well, no one will notice. And that's kind of true. I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, but it is funny. I can't imagine A.D. being so, in air quotes, vulgar. But really? then again, Boob Mountain. Then again, then again, he does go to great lengths in this book to make sure we all know that uh, Sparky has fully huge tits. Yeah, yeah. He Every does. time she shows up, almost. Go ahead, David. So, um, well, I don't think, as always, I think the Kraken Space is a Don Wilhelm title. I don't think it's. I don't think Phil came up with it. Right. That's um, why Don Wilhelm was like, "Nah, it's fine. It's my title." No one yeah. will. No, no one will think anything with, bad about it with my title. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Wolheim uh, was the one that came up with the, the title crack or the name Kraken Space, and apparently Wolheim might have had a role in suggesting that he worked some of these ideas together from these different short stories. Um, that is rumored, but I couldn't find any proof of that. So. Just that, that would make sense. I mean, because the it doesn't it lacks a singular vision in the book. So yeah, well, it's a so real world it, Jones made situation. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly a world Jones made situation. And that would make sense because the first story that originated this concept, prominent author, was received at the S. And which what storyline is that? Prominent author. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Oh, um, okay. I'm getting there. <laughs> No, let's hear about it first, then we'll find out what it was about. The SMLA agency (laughs) got Prominent Author on April 20th, 1953. So Prominent Author... Was one of those old stories in his short story heyday. Yeah, that was during his year of most... Before old man Van Vogt was like, you're getting away, kid. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta be writing novels, kid. Oh, man. Um, I want more of Larry as Van Vogt. (laughs) Um, so the agency had placed it at, uh, or the first time it was published was in May 1954, and then the story was selected for his first collection, Handful of Darkness, which, of course, was where the first story that became Cosmic Puppets was published. Mm-hmm. And so this story definitely is a precursor to Kraken Space, because it has the Jiffy Scuttler, um, in it. Um, which is the shortcut where you can transport yourself through space and time, open up a kind of a tunnel. So there's that. And so where this is different in, in prominent author is, is that the guy kind of goes through the scuttler and goes back in time and then finds out that he, uh, I, I believe like he ended up writing the Bible. <laughs> yeah. That's the story he tells. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the Ellis, uh, the character Ellis, who's not in the in the novel but talked about, was yep. the first one to own a to find the time travel portal in a Jiffy Scuttler. Which is interesting because this is a case. This is a rare case of PKD referring back to another story that he wrote as canon. Yeah, within mm. the story. Yeah, so, I didn't think of that. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. We never. He doesn't do that. Too. He's not like King. No, I mean he uses the same terms over and over again, like Conf yeah. and. And autofac, autofac, and psi powers. Oh, what is the one for 
wheel. Oh no, that's for car auto fact, right? That's what he calls. No, that's the uh, automatic factories. Oh, then what is what is his car one? It's, wheel. No, it's not wheel, jackass. Yeah, it is wheel. No, it's not. He, he calls, calls cars wheels. No, he calls them auto autos. That's what auto it is. Autos. <laughs> he yeah. does call them auto autos, <laughs> but they are wheels as well. Um. Uh, precog. He's precog. precog all the time. There like, was there wasn't a precog in this book. No, 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 no. Which no, uh, is very rare. What's the what does he call a newspaper? Homeopapes. Homeopapes or homeopapes are all over the place. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he got homeopapes from, but yeah. But anyways, so prominent author. I do think that's it's interesting that uh, it is referred to in the novel, and that is a cool thing. So. The second story, which was originally titled Top Standby Job, <laughs> and would be eventually uh, retitled by the magazine that published it as Standby, which was published in October 1963, and it was received um, in April of that year at the literary agency, so it was quickly published. But anyways, it's a, a dick story that... Um, in standby, Earth is invaded by creatures from outer space, and the United States is being governed by a giant supercomputer, kind of Vulcan's hammer-ish. Okay. And there's a human standby president who, like, is just ready to kind of jump in and take the job. So, like a simulacra. Yeah, and so, well, but it has... I but it's a real person. Right, and I believe Jim Baskin is actually the standby president. Okay. okay. You mean Jim Briskin? Whatever his name is. Whatever his name is, kid. Um, Jim Baskin, heir to the Baskin Robbins fortune. Right. And also <laughs> the first African American president. Yeah. Um, I also believe that I think some of the, some of the, the BIP thing was in there with the people, there was mention of people sleeping, but I could, I could be wrong about that. Bips. And then the, the BIPs. Um, and then, as far as the last story goes, I couldn't find out. I didn't find much about that. So, I don't, I, I didn't read that story, so I don't have any notes on that. But okay. those two are uh, really crucial and kind of play a role, but I think more so prominent author. But prominent author has fed other works, including, I believe, that there's bits and pieces of penultimate truth in, in, uh, prominent author as well. Okay. So, I'd have to go back and look, but it is my understanding that that, that is kind of what's going on there. But, uh, yeah, not a lot of writing and publication history on the crack in space. There is not a ton about it. So, we're ready for... Oh, 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 oh it's that time! What time? Story break time! No, we're just <laughs> still doing that thing? Woo! Okay. Bing! I'm going to put my jacket on. I'm about to get blown away by this hot take. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. I want to die fashionably cute. Fashionably cute. Put the glasses on, too, then. This might be a good time for the anchor ad. All right. <laughs> oh, oh boy. God. So here's my book report <laughs> on this piece of shit. <laughs> um, so we start. Oh. we start by meeting the useless couple. And the useless assassin. We don't know he's a useless assassin yet, but he's useless. The couple are, are useless. And then we meet some other people that are useless. 
And then we go through this useless book and then we cry. Done. No, wait. All right. Yeah, that ain't gonna work. Come yeah, on. All right, now. all right, all right. But we do, we I do like meet a, chapter, we do actually. meet a couple who want to become bibs because they don't have any money and they are a black couple. And we find out that the world is overpopulated or at least the U.S. It's very unclear. Everything is unclear in this. It's a foggy crystal ball the whole time, but we, we meet them and then we find out that they're pregnant and they can't become bibs if they're pregnant. And they're like, what? We don't know. And so the racist guy behind the counter is like, get out of here. Go see a, go see an abortion doctor, abortion analysis, analysis person. So they're like, all right, they leave. Then we meet some other people. We meet, uh, Jim boring ass fucking presidential candidate. Uh, he, who is basically like a right wing Republican nowadays would be because although he's high and on the hog on his moral high horse, he's anti sex. He's anti doing anything. He really has no emotions to speak of. He's boring as Fuck. He is boring as fuck. And we meet his campaign manager, who is a dick bag. He is just a full-on bag of dicks. Treats his wife like shit, is always ordering her around and being an asshole. And uh, has a bunch of bad ideas, but still maintains his job somehow. And so we meet them. Then we meet this uh, mechanic who's working on this car for this rich surgeon whose wife is getting a divorce from him. And we really don't care about that guy too much until he does some stuff later. So that's uh, Dr. Suckett. Dr. Dr. Doctor. Doctor. I'm going to be honest. Until you did this, uh, you're doing this, I forgot about that character. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to forget about. Uh, I can't even. Lurton Sands. He has a great name, though. Lurton Sands. Lurton is a great name. So his wife, Myra Sands, is uh, an abortion consultant. Sorry, they're uh, abortion consultants. And uh, and Lurton Sands is an organ transplant doctor with a secret. So anyway, the mechanic tells this story about this guy, Ellis, who found a portal in his Jiffy Pop, his Jiffy Cutler, Cut, Cussler? Whatever. Jiffy Scuttler. Jiffy Scuttler, which we don't even know what they do. There's something about time travel in them, but that's not clearly explained. And uh, the dude's like, all right, I know there's something going on with this thing. And it probably has to do with dude's mistress for some reason. And then eventually she shoots uh, our mechanic in the face. And so there's fucking a hundred pages of meeting a a twin guy that's a sign or a uh, conjoined twin George Walt who is not really a conjoined twin or he is or he isn't we it goes back and forth let me just read what i wrote here okay so we do the things and oh by the way there's a whorehouse in the sky <laughs> run by conjoined twins and oh by the way you can time travel through the floorboards of your little Jiffy Scuttler, and oh, by the way, our puritanical presidential nominee, who makes 
only bad decisions is making more bad decisions and doesn't seem to give a shit. Well, it sounds like our president right now. And then, um, and then we, our mechanic does discover that there's a, a, a doorway to a pristine earth, or at least it looks like a pristine earth. And he's like, Oh man, look at this pristine earth. Oh shit. That girl shot me in the face and I'm dead. And so then the company that, okay. So the owner of the, of the repair shop. Do you need some help? I need, no, I need this book to never have existed. <laughs> That's what I need. So the owner of the repair shop, uh, takes his, takes the vehicle to the big company to GM, which is called TD in this and says, Hey, there's a portal to another world here. And, and they're, they're like, Oh yeah, there is a portal to another world. And then, uh, the private detective who's all of a sudden here named Tito, Tito uh, finds out and he's like, I got to tell Jim for some reason. So he, because he wants to be attorney general for some reason. And so he says, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about this time travel or this portal to another world, which will really be good for you in political ways. If you make me the attorney general and Jim being the upright citizen, he is, he's like, I will do everything you say. There's an awful lot of big promises in this book. <laughs> and then, so it, what it turns out happening is that, uh, by announcing all this and saying he hates whorehouses in the sky, the, the conjoined, the conjoined twins team up with the racist, uh, what it would, Racist organization called Heat Clean. Clean. Uh, racist organization called Clean in order to assassinate Jim. They send the dumbest guy in the world. Remember that guy from, uh, the beginning? The racist guy that wouldn't let the couple become bibs? Yeah, that's the guy. He's in it for one second where he's like, I gotta kill this dude. And then they blah, blah, blah. Nothing happens. Blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't kill the dude, and then he's never seen again. And then we go to the other world, which is kind of cool. It's like an exploration thing. There's a great uh, space hero who's been all over the place and seen all kinds of stuff. Thank you. Woodbine. And he is probably the only character I really liked in this. I liked this chapter a lot. Because he seems practical, and he's like, oh, no, let's... His sarcasm was great when he's like, oh, no, let's just stand here and conjecture about everything and not actually explore anything. That's the best thing to do. But they explore. They find out that there's some uh, pre-Neanderthal men that actually inhabit this planet. And so it was a split. It's kind of an alternate Earth where Homo sapiens never took over. And the, what are they, what are they called? The Peking. I'm just going to call them the Peking men are yeah, the, the yeah, are the dominant species. And are you as bored with this as I am? <laughs> Cause I hate everything I'm saying right now. Well, keep it, keep it going. All right. Okay. All right. You're so then, there. so they find out this and then that. And then they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's Peking men. And then the Sal Haim. How did you guys pronounce Sal's last name? I thought it was Haim, but I could be wrong. It's it's Haim or Haim? I yeah, looked it I, up. I think I just went with Haim. Yeah. Because Haim would be H-A-I-M? No. It's no. it's actually more... Is it the flip? It's the Germanic oh, pronunciation, which is... Know. 
which is Haim, but Haim is also pretty close to correct. Uh, but anyway, so that guy is like, oh my God, these people suck and we're, they're going to ruin everything. And it turns out they try to ruin everything because <laughs> the conjoined twin guy is like, oh, fuck it. I'm closing down shop and I'm moving over to this other place and I'm going to take over the peaks and they're going to then take over the world and I'll make money. Step one, take over the peaks. Step two, step three, big profit. <laughs> so that's his plan. And then Jim comes up with a great counter plan, which is I'm going to pull his arm off and then the, uh, the peaks will go away. Boom. That happens. He becomes president and that's it. That's the end of this fucking book. Okay. So awful. <laughs> awful. Lion. It's the lion, the witch in the wardrobe written by, I don't know, a fucking room full of monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Um, I whew, do not hate this book as much as you. Um, hated it. Yeah. I, yeah, I see that. Um, I'm going to put that quote on the next social media post when we release this episode. It's the line, the witch in the wardrobe written by a room full of fucking monkeys. <laughs> yeah, well, you should, because that's what it, what it felt like reading it. Okay, so I do think that there are some interesting themes that Dick is exploring in this book. Of course um, you do. And I, write a fucking fourth grade theme. <laughs> Dang. All right. Well, listen, I, I do think, well. Don't waste hours of my life with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately for you, people come here looking for some analysis. So we're, we're going to have to do it. So, um, I do think that there's some interesting things going on. So first off, it's I driven me to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I personally do agree that it, this is not a well put together book. It is not. I would say this is in the lower tier of PKD's books. I don't think it's... Oh, it's one step above the Cosmic Puppets. Mm. Mm. Eh, I don't know. Um, Really? I'm right there. I'm right there. I am right there. What gets me about the Cosmic Puppets is all the weird, like, look at this supple young teenager shit. (laughs) No, I understand why you, you think Cosmic Puppets is worse. But Cosmic Puppets also has some better stuff. Um, like the uh, the villain, the boy is an awesome villain in that book. At least I'll agree with that. Okay. This one has none of that. There's well, no redeeming think, qualities. This you, is this is a book full of assholes. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that there are redeeming qualities in the sense that I do think that there is some interesting political stuff going on, and there's some points he's trying to make. Whether he's making them efficiently and telling a good story at the same time. Oh, absolutely uh, not. No, he's not. But <laughs> the the bib problem, for example, um, and I'm going to quote uh, Lampy here on what he said about it. He's going to make us all look dumb again. <laughs> <laughs> the bib problem and the violence of economic equality, the central theme running through the crack in space, is the violence done to the poor and old when the economy is controlled by one, one sector of society and in this case, the economy is dominated by the Jerry's, elders kept alive by artificial means. So. Oh, man, what book is that? That sounds way more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lampy had to put a lot, had to inject a lot into that to pull that out of this book. Well, you think so, but here's the thing. And it's I, never stated as such. 
Oh, it's it's all right there. Look at from the fact that <laughs> it is right there. You have your you have your character who is harvesting organs from people. Okay, so the people are having to go. Who is not a Jerry? Right. Well, listen. There's people. There's who only are, one Jerry in the whole story, and he's a rich old fuck. Well, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. There's lots of Jerry's in the story. The thing is, is that they're using all these organs and pieces and things in order to make themselves younger. And to make them feel younger. That's right there in the book. Where? Point that out to me. Well, I don't... Because that's not in the book. It is in the book. It is not in the book. There is a part, and I don't... I mean, I can go go through... I mean, it would take me all day to to reread the whole book, but there is a part where they basically talk about how the... how the Jerry's are being kept younger by stealing and harvesting the organs of the people that are put to sleep. And they're only put to sleep because they don't have jobs, which is interesting because that's where you're coming at. That's where you've got. No, because there's overpopulation as well. They were putting, they were killing people up until a couple of years ago. Yeah. They're forcing people to have abortions and to go to sleep and to basically, so they have these counselors that, that kind of talk people into having abortions, right? And then they have the, the people who cannot find jobs, even are in, and that's where he's talking about the violence of the system is, <coughs> is forcing these people to go to sleep. That's an interesting concept. And I do think that the first, that one of the, one of the two chapters that's well written in this book is the first chapter does a really good job of building this world, like right from the beginning and does it on, Let's see, page... And then immediately abandons all the characters in the first chapter. Agreed. 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 And that is unfortunate that a lot of the cool things that is set up here... Um, so here on page two, Blackmore personally doubted it, and and he had been around a long time. He was 95 years old, Jerry. In his time, he, was, he had put to sleep thousands of people, almost all of them, like this couple, young and dark. Okay, so this is racism... And inequality and the system being used to keep the rich people stay and ninety five years old and he's still functioning. Except the coals are the majority. Right. In this society. They are, but they don't but they're being forced into this situation where they're being told basically. And remember, this is the point of view of a racist character. Right, right. I got you. I got you. And I agree, but but what I think is, is that, that these are interesting ideas that get suggested, and yes, that they're not explored as much as they could or should be. I mean, you have on page 13, you have the whole, like, where the clean organization first comes in, mm-hmm. have, and they're protesting, like, keep, keep the White House white, keep America clean, and then you have these... And then they're pretty much out of it until there's that little plot to kill Jim. But they they aren't actively involved hardly at all, except for the two thugs that stop the assassination. And and I agree that it is not done as. Well. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You're saying there's good themes in there, but I think the themes that's like saying just because you mention racism exists, it's a, all of a sudden a good theme. No, and I'm that's, not saying that's that- what this book does. It just mentions stuff. I'm not saying that it does a really good job of exploring these themes. Mm. I'm saying they're there. And what I think is it's done really awkwardly. And this book feels like a 50s Philip K. Dick novel to me. Yeah, I feel it. And that was my problem. I feel like this one should have been in in the order of 
of books that he released them in. It should have gone Solar Lottery, World Jones Made, Crack in Space. Well, unfortunately, I agree with that, but I think Solar Lottery is still better than those other two. Well, Solar Lottery is better. But yeah. <laughs> well, and and I will say that. Well, and unfortunately, he didn't write this book until years later. Right. So, um, was was this one that I mean? I feel like this was a paycheck. Yeah, PKD's got diverse divorce attorneys to pay for, yeah. and like <laughs> you know, ex wives to feed. So, I, I honestly, Kraken Space sounds like. He's in the hovel, like trying to make sure he's got something out, mm-hmm. and which, you know, whatever. But I, but I do think that he is. I don't know. Me personally, I I mean, I get it that you you hate this book, and 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 I didn't super like it, but I didn't <laughs> hate it. I didn't you, super like it. I didn't. The worst thing David has ever said about a book in his entire life. I didn't super like it. Some but this one, I uh, I mean. I, I liked the way he started piling up uh twists in the first fifty pages or so. Mm-hmm. Like he would but it was really random. But it was kinda cool where it was like, Oh, look, all of a sudden there's time travel, all of a sudden there's alternate alternate earths or alternate planets, alternate realities. Oh, look, all of a sudden there's a whorehouse in space. Oh look, the person that runs the thing is a conjoined twin that's fucked up all who All then kinds later of ways. manages to convince the pre-dawn men that he is a god, a god. <laughs> which is a better story yeah. that we don't get to until the last like thirty pages. Thirty pages, yeah, th- yeah, thirty forty pages when we we actually get to the other world. This is not but, a good representation of Dick's abilities. No, 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 no. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. But what I think, I think the best writing in it though comes in the last twenty pages. That see, I think overly long, dude, overly like, long. To the last uh, twenty pages, epilogue. and I'm like, why is this even happening? Because the yeah. book ended twenty pages ago. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree; it's an overly long epilogue, yeah. but well, yes, David, but it's I'm aware it's that... well written. It's well written. There's a couple of quotes in there that I really like. I'm aware that it's plenty. I, I know what an epilogue is, David. Well, I, but that doesn't mean it's not fucking useless. <laughs> I do not think this is a great representation of Dick. I agree with you on that, but I don't think that it is. I mean. I just don't think it's hot steaming garbage is what I'm saying. I think it is just aggressively okay. This book is like if you had <laughs> a bunch of Thanksgiving good. leftovers and you decided, I'm just going to make a quiche out of all, all this, this stuff that doesn't make sense or go right. together. Yeah, right. And then you put it in and you're like, hey, I can kind of taste sweet potato. I like a little bit of sweet potato, and but then I you sure get a bite. don't like, and I'm not done talking, and I don't like <laughs> onions in my sweet potato because that's yeah. fucking disgusting. So now I hate the majority of this meal. Yeah, right. <laughs> this book is leftover garbage. Yeah. It's, it's Dick kind of pilfering from a bunch of old stories, and I don't really understand why. Because. Well, I think it's what David said is that the Wolheim kind of forced him into it, right? He's I'm like, sure Wolheim. He dangled money in front of him and said, I don't know. Hey, put some shit together. And- well, I'm not saying that Wolheim, like, wrote him a letter and said, Phil, I need a new novel or, or your toast <laughs> or anything, but he, I think he was feeling pressure. To have work coming out all the time because he had ex-wives and he had like, all that shit. All that shit. So he's definitely, you know, he's not going to be able to register the car because remember he wrote this right before Three Stigmata and Three Stigmata. That was the huge thing was that he wrote it right around the time that his he, car got towed. So right now, so I'm sure he's thinking like, "Fuck, I gotta get 
I gotta get another novel out. I gotta keep it going. I gotta, you know, get me some as pills. Quick as possible. Get me some pills. Get me in the hovel, and I'm I'm gonna write me some crack in space. <laughs> <laughs> and so, whack. Yeah, and um, or um, Sonata One Forty or whatever. Cannot uh, whatever. Cantata. Cantata. Concerto, who cares? Move on. Yes. So, um, yeah, but I mean, there's all kinds of things going on here. This is not the only themes, and I'm going to continue to go back to Lampy since he's a defender of this book, and so we can get a contrary opinion. Uh, Lampy also said, The alternate Earth in Kraken Space is a failure because it was not what Optimus dreamed it to be, because it was not a blank slate. This is the root of the problem in the great Martian frontier novels of the 60s. So this is, so there are, again, uh, like Lampy talks about all the time is the frontier. And mm-hmm. so there are frontier issues here because it's, a, it's an interesting frontier. And well, it doesn't seem that weird to us to have an alternate earth story. You gotta remember, this is the same year that Whitman was shooting people in Texas, 1966. I mean, I don't know how many alternate well, I, in 1964 is when he wrote it. Yeah. So in 1964, when he wrote this, were, were there a lot of alternate Earth stories? I don't know. I don't know. This is pretty commonplace for us now, but at the time, that may have been a more interesting idea. And I think you always got to remember that as far as I don't think that that justifies its place in the canon of PKD, but it's just something to note. And also, just like the issues with Frontier and everything that's going on there, like, you know, there is some interesting stuff. Right. And, uh, let's see, page 42, we got, uh, I think is where he said, uh, gravity's like Earth, must be Earth, must be Earth then, he decided, long time ago, long time in the future. And so I like all these things where I think there's interesting sci-fi ideas about... Is that, is that Turpin talking? Uh, believe so. Yeah. Or Rick Erickson, maybe? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I like all that stuff, and I like that... I I think it's interesting that he developed... I'm not sure I like how he did it, but I like that the idea that, you know, Homo sapiens just didn't make it in this other world is kind of an interesting concept. And you have some really fucking weird things with, like, the ice fusion engines... And yeah, but even that's not explored fully. I mean, I don't... Well, the whole middle of this book the, is a lot of pointless Politico talking that ultimately goes nowhere. Yeah, and, it, you know, he never really establishes any kind of any kind of conflict. Well, the, the conflict comes later when we realize that uh, George Walton has become has, this false god. Yeah, and he's that, the... And he's trying to take over. He creates that, the conflict, but that's in all honesty, last that, 40 pages. Right, and that, that actually needs to be the start or the end of the second act. Yeah. And not the beginning of, like, you know, middle third act. It's, it's yeah. not to break it down in such kind of boring terminology. There's so much in the middle of this book that could have been handled in one chapter. Mm-hmm. There's a, and it's a bunch of setup that goes nowhere. There's no payoff. No. No. <laughs> well, and then the, there's... And I, I believe in, it's on uh, page uh, 128 of the... Mariner edition, there's definitely brought up the concept of the, um, let's see. These parallel worlds are a naughty problem, he realized. I wonder how many exist. Dozens with different human subspecies dominant on each. Weird idea, he shivered. 
God, how unpleasant, like concentric rings of hell, each with its own particular brand of torment. Maybe there's one in which the human type superior to us, one we know nothing about, dominates, one which in our own world we we extinguish at its inception. So I think that's like a cool idea that didn't get explored either mm-hmm. enough. Um that that fear. But I think that those are some of the neat ideas of this weird frontier. And after see, we've seen different phases for PKD already on how he treats the frontier. In the early days, it's like at the end we're gonna go fly off to the frontier and it's gonna be great. And then we got Martian Time Slip and Three Stigmata where we're it doing, wasn't so great. It wasn't so great, and we're doing drugs just to fucking make it. Right. On the frontier. And then, here's a complicated one, because it's... The frontier has looked like the salvation in this novel, and and it becomes not the salvation, right? And I do think that how that fits into... Because they what, freak out. I <laughs> Basically, what happens is 30 guys go over to this alternate world, freak out, Kidnap one dude and then leave. That's what happens. (laughs) Holy shit! Let's get the fuck out of here! I mean, they don't try to do anything. (laughs) Well, and yeah, and it it is an interesting when you look at Philip K. Dick as 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 a writer. And for me, after all this, I think one of the interesting things is how this plays into his frontier themes. Mm-hmm. I do think that that's interesting. Now, again, does it justify this novel? No. No, it doesn't. But uh could it have been explored better? Sure. Um <laughs> I think what happened is this novel S- ended up at SMLA a little early and what somebody, Wolheim somebody should have been like, you got something here, Phil, but it, you need to do this, 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 and this. And instead, mm-hmm. they were just like, all right, let's go. Pump it, pump it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump in here for a second. Try to read this passage, and then we're going to, unless David has some other stuff to read, move Go, on. go, go. Do it. <laughs> oh, I'm so shocked. The video image became clarified then. It was a head. The mutual head of the mutants, George Walt. That was my next. Its mouth opened, and it spoke. I am king now, George Walt declared. I have at my disposal up here an entire army of what you'd like to think of as near men, but which are actually, as you're about to find out, and not for me, the legitimate tenants of this world and every other alternative earth running parallel to us. You'd be surprised at the type of scientific discoveries which the Peking race, and I can call them that merely as a means by which to identify them, have made over the centuries. They can, for instance, warp time and also space to suit their needs. They've tapped sources of energy unknown to you homo sapiens. I have with me, here in the Golden Door Moments of Bliss satellite, the wisest and kindest philosopher from among their great people. Just a moment, George Walt's head disappeared from the screen. So that comes 169 pages into a 203-page book, and that's what this fucking book and then we get it, about. And then we get a story. And then, yeah, and then we <laughs> yeah, get Yeah, I have that. that highlighted, too. So It but is. The, the, he also calls the uh, this super you know, advanced being an idiot to like five seconds later. Well, George Walt is a con man, <laughs> yeah. which is a much more interesting. And I actually do like the scene where they shoot his, his second, his second body. And you realize that he's been, it's faking basically, it. he's been faking it because his brother 
like the body died a long time ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is right. which is interesting. Which but they then we say, but then that it later. also says that he's just one guy. Yeah, it was a little confusing. It was because very confusing. Yeah, there. but because he even calls himself me at, at one point. There is way more of a story there than the forty to fifty pages of. Hey, man, come over and have a beer. Boy, that stuff Jim Briskin's doing's pretty crazy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he's almost like a, a as interesting a character as Palmar Eldridge. And then Tito Carvelli is like, oh, I'm working for Lurton Sands' wife, Mira, but I'm also working for Jim Briskin. You pick a lane, sir. Right. So. <laughs> well, it, l- l- listen, the George Walt thing, I think, and the transhumanism part of this story is really... uh is really interesting and underutilized. Again, he mm-hmm. could have done more with that. Um, it would have made more sense to me if George Walt did become this false king to a race of people in a different in an alternate Earth that we basically treat like shit. Right, and he basically and he also goes back in time, so he's there for uh, like uh, yeah also not clear oh well it does it does that thing that i think we talked about in the last book where all the interesting stuff happens not in the book yeah 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 all of it happens right off screen yeah off the page well 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 i will agree with you that the george walt stuff and him going back in the army stuff is some of the most interesting stuff and makes him the most fascinating character in the book i agree i do think that for me, there were two chapters that I really dug. All right, and, and you're not going to read all of them. No, too, <laughs> no. Uh, I think I like the beginning, and I like the political dynamic that is set up with. Yeah, no, with, I with, I agree with you, David. Yeah. But it the it's, political dynamic goes on for far too long throughout the rest of the book, and it, it, it's not. It, there's no end game to the political setup in the first few chapters. Yeah, I don't, under, I, don't un- keep, I didn't keep, understand it to begin they with. They keep progressively but, talking about the same shit over and over again. Yeah, I think the political dynamic and the social political situation with the bibs and the people that are being forced to sleep that can't get work that are having their organs sold out from under them. That is sure is is really interesting. But the bibs don't and really not, play not, a part in the in the book other than being a catalyst to yeah, they're a MacGuffin. Making, yeah, to yeah. make the, yeah. the alternate Earth important. So what I would say is is that we have... There's like, just too many storylines here that don't so match up. Can I can I make another food analogy? Sure. It's just sure. like a sandwich with two awesome pieces of bread and nothing in, with, with, like, some junk in between. <laughs> because it's like, you got good bread here. Okay, you got this Walt George Walt storyline here at the end. Mm-hmm. You have some interesting moments where it's set up in the. Well, I guess there are some interesting moments with. Yeah, I think the scenes. Jim Briskin and. I think the scenes with him and his and, and his half half brother or whatever is all very interesting. But I think the beginning and the end of this book are really have some really cool things. But I also like. I love the scene with Woodbine, the explorer. Mm-hmm. Going to the alternate it's a Earth good scene. and looking at the space charts and basically like, hey, uh, <laughs> you're not on another planet. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and Turpin, I liked Turpin. I thought he was a good, a, a good characterization of an old rich guy. Turpin's an totally, 80s and he got totally out of touch with reality. He's like, well, this is what I want. I'm old. I don't give a shit. I'm going to get it. And I, I liked that. I don't like that character. But I like that characterization. So you guys give me shit, but Cosmic Puppets, there's nothing I look back on it and go like, 
there was a good, I, I, good idea. I'm not going to give you shit about that. That yeah. looks terrible. The yeah. boy, the boy with the spiders and everything. That it was did awesome. nothing for me. So yes, it did. I could fucking we can listen to the eyes. episode right. right now. Bring it back to Kraken Space. <laughs> but what I'm talking about is now we have it on tape, David. You can't lie now. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. Looking back on it, though, there's nothing in that book that that makes me want to go back to it or or no, God no. Yeah. Although We're, maybe you should reread the whole thirteen-year-old girl being stripped down naked part. Well, Why? What, yeah, because he didn't get it the first time. Remember? I kind of, like, yeah, I glossed oh. over it a little bit because I tried to put it out of my memory. <laughs> um, yeah. So here's the thing: she gets covered in like honey. It's weird. It it's was really weird. Yeah, I know. But here's the thing: so I do think that, for example, when we get to adaptation, I do think that you could. I don't think you could make a faithful adaptation to this, but you could take some of the themes and like kind of do a course correction. Well, yeah, I, I think you have a, you have good potential with the, the alternate earth. You have good potential with the whorehouse in the sky and you have good potential with the, what else? The transhuman. The space explorer. The transhuman. Well, that, I think the transhumanism comes with having the uh, brothel the, in the yeah, sky. Yeah, the brothel yeah. in the sky. Yeah, uh, but those those uh, elements are the interesting elements. I I didn't think the political uh, election part, which is relevant to our lives, definitely, but not it wasn't generally considered if interesting to me. You yeah. know, it was just well, like it's because well, it, it never Jim has Jim wasn't someone I wanted to be president. No, but a better story would have been Jim going up to the brothel in the satellite. In trying to kind of follow through with the plan they had earlier. Yeah, you get rid of the bibs. You make the you make the whorehouse his big fight, right? Right. And that makes much more sense. You simplify and you you make it, you know. A, I mean, an I'm on the side of the story. brothel, but yeah, yeah. But that, that's a fight we can get behind. Is the morality versus the the brothel and and how that would work right. out? Yeah, and that becomes wise. the centerpiece for like. Kind of looking, talking about the bibs and, you know, how we Right, the bibs are totally a sideline sort of thing, you know. The bibs are croutons on this salad. Yeah. Whereas the salad is nothing but food analogies. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is I think the bibs storyline and for me personally, the idea of the. But there is no bib storyline. Well, that's the thing is (laughs) to me, that concept and. Yeah, it's a good concept, but it's not a story. I know, but I think that that, but me being obviously like, I'm a huge fan of staying on Zanzibar. I like stories about environmentalism, overpopulation, that kind of thing. It hits straight, it hits notes that I generally like. So I think we're ready to do our judgments. Larry, start us off. Uh, the. (laughs) Oh no. <laughs> uh, I I was not a not a fan of this book. To put really? it mildly, I was I was behind it. I even told Marty when I was like forty forty five pages in, I really like where this is going. You know, because of all those all those uh, all those surprises, everything that was happening was was really interesting. I wanted to know more about the whorehouse. I wanted to know more. I hated Jim the whole time, but I you know I could get past that but then it just fucking bogged down into nothingness for so long and really didn't come back from it so i'm going to give this um two 
floorboard space holes <laughs> out of five. Cause it, I mean, this is, I, I can't give something a one unless it's not a book at all. And this one's so close to not being a book, not being a novel that it's close to being a one. And I am going to put this below cosmic puppets. All right. David. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to give this, um, three alternate earths out of five, uh, just barely three, um, I considered two, um, <laughs> when I was rating it. However, uh, you know, I think I've been pretty clear. I, I'm a defender of the ideas that are going on here. I would say this is definitely better than Cosmic Puppets. I would say it's probably even better than, um, Dr. Well, Dr. Futurity, maybe even. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing is I think that there, I think this is just. At least Futurity had the cum cube. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys broke into my spunk box. <laughs> uh, uh, Doctor Futurity did make me laugh a lot. I guess mm-hmm. um, Doctor Futurity is so ridiculous that you kind of I had to not hate it completely. Yeah. Right. Um, and the thing is, is you think he's trying to be serious here, and that's part of the problem. Is I think if he had taken this a little bit more lightly and gone a little bit more Gonzo, you could have forgiven a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't like that this book does not have the humor that a lot of the PKD books have because I think this book really needed it. It, it could yeah. have used, uh, that's not something I had said previously in this episode, but I definitely think the humor was, was a little lacking. Um, but there were enough, I really liked that opening chapter. Even I, the jokes that he did weren't, weren't, uh, they weren't fresh in any way. It, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, based on the strength of the first chapter, which I think is really great setup and world building, the middle chapter where they go to Earth and the George Walt storyline, I can, I can get it up to three, but, um, but that's not a strong three. That's a very wobbly, shaky three. Um, and, and I will say that yes, I, I do think this is a step back. This feels like an early work. It feels like it should be in a box set with Dr. Futurity and Vulcan's Hammer. And it's a total B-side. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, don't put Vulcan's Hammer in there. Well, I like Vulcan's Hammer, but you gotta have at least one of <laughs> At the- least it's a book. <laughs> well, but I think that there's elements here, and I really do like the Bib thing, and I do th- the Bib, Bib thing, uh, because I do think that that storyline is really interesting, and I think the, the idea is that he was. Yeah, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it have been great if Lurton Sands' character actually mattered instead of bringing an empty gun to a an assassination? I well, I would have liked that more if we had continued with the Lurton Sands storyline because that scene is the one time in this book I thought, oh, that's kind of funny. Right. <laughs> well, and and here's here's the thing about what 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 I think is good about Track and Space is that I do think that there are well, it's not executed well. There are. There, there are political themes and there are social political issues throughout. David, there. you keep saying it. I know. Yeah, we got you. We got you, buddy. Yeah. A week three. Oh, a very wobbly three. Yeah. I well. enjoyed the way David said that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Anthony? When we read the synopsis on the last episode, I was pretty excited to pick this in. up because it sounded crazy. And I was thinking, oh, how's Dick going to kind of fit all this together? Especially after, you know, we read Three Sigmata of Palmer Eldritch. What right. did we read before this? I don't remember what the last episode Dr. was. Dr. Blood Money. Dr. Blood Money. Yeah. 
Um, which, as you all know, I didn't totally like. Um, but there is, it's this book is book end. The narrative is bookended by two better storylines. Mm-hmm. In the middle of it is just this stagnant nonsense. nonsense that goes on for pages and pages, interspersed with these political discussions. Jim, you can't do this. Jim, this is a mistake. Jim, and then Jim's like, oh, I guess this is a mistake. Let me do this, or <laughs> I do that. And and here's... I wish Jim th- would have cared once that he made a mistake. No, he's It would have been nice. It would have been nice if he was like, oh, man, I really messed that up. What do we do now? Instead of, I guess I fucked up. Whatever. So I lose. Um, I don't care. It and, and there's too many characters. To keep track of. For a narrative that goes all over the place, there's too many, too many stories, characters, too many, many storylines to keep track of. Which is unfortunate because I do think the George Walt character in Brothel's storyline is more interesting and should kind of be the centerpiece to Definitely. the story. Definitely has potential there. Uh, but again, the middle, the majority of this book in the middle is, it's a stag, it's stagnant. It's, it's this, it's I can a, hardly remember what happened in the middle. It's like, it's a sad, wet, empty placenta. Ooh. of a book. <laughs> and so, you should put that one there. With, with that said, <laughs> I'm going to give it one artificial arm. Whoa. Yeah. I think that's our first one. No, I think Cosmic, well, Cosmic Puppets. Yeah, but this yeah. is going to be you my second gave it one. Two. We did? Yeah. So I guess after we've talked about it, I think I hate this more than I hate Cosmic Puppets. Yeah. I'm going to give it one. It's, wow. It's just... I mean, I was really close to giving it a one, but... You know, no, I understand why you didn't, but for me, one, one, one makes sense. aggressively ripped off artificial arm. Yeah, aggressively ripped off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool, artificial arm. This thing looks gnarly. What was the story behind that? What a you'll flat, never know. What a flat ass fucking climax <laughs> that was. Oh, this book. I guess this guy's fake, and you're all fake, and I'm out of here. This book is like when you're really excited for a lap dance because you're like, "Yeah, this is about to be great," and it's just really. Where's this analogy going? (laughs) And you end up just covered in glitter and and unhappy. Middle mid lap dance, you're thinking, "I already agreed to pay money for this." Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. So that's it. One aggressively ripped off artificial arm from Anthony. Wow. Alright, after that disgusting analogy, we will shall move on. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> that's our review. So we have left is the movie treatment. So. I think we were halfway there on that one. Well, whether you like it or not, uh, the, the exercise is Electric Sheep Productions comes to you and says, you make a movie. Make a movie of this. Um, what do you do? Who do you hire? Who who you got? Uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but of course Anthony has to have Michael Shannon in the film, so we thought he'd be a good Michael person. Shannon in blackface playing Jim. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, right. no, not, no, never. Um, no, we thought Michael Shannon as George Walt would, would be good casting. That would yeah. be good casting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are and, we doing a group treatment? Sounds like? Or did you guys have your own ideas? I mean, I really don't. I really didn't have a whole lot of thought put into this adaptation. Yeah. Well, for me, I would probably have made it mostly... I don't even know... Kick half the cast to the curb. 
Yeah, because I don't really like. Yeah, go ahead, David. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't make a faithful adaptation of this. I would take the very bare bones of the of the ideas at the beginning and the end, and and flesh those. I think out. the only way you could do it with all this nonsense that's dumped in here is to make it a TV show. Oof, oof. No, I don't want to be in this world that long. But um, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no, that's too much I, time. You can. You that's can, too much time in this. Place. You can make an interesting movie out of this, but I think your focus is going to be your is the the Bibbs situation and and George Walt, and I think your main character is going to end up being George Walt in, in the film, and you're going to focus a lot of it on. There's this alternate world, and everyone thinks it's going to be the solution to this bit problem. And then he's he, your businessman is going to find a way to exploit it and and turn himself into a god. And and that's your that's your interesting crack in space movie. Um, yeah, Jim, the character of Jim is just not interesting enough to be your protagonist. No, I think Sal has to be your protagonist, even though he's a dickbag. Well, I like that. I, I like the idea of of focusing on the abortion counselor lady. Um, Why she didn't do anything either? Well, but I think her angle of of being t- towards the um, the socio political aspect of the first part, seeing through her eyes, that you're gonna you're gonna get to see more of that part of the storyline, in my opinion, and then. She becomes a good and interesting foil to the guy who runs the satellite of love, right? And um, they become, yeah. yeah, and that's 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 where that's where I, you know, you can get behind them. Now, this would be if Electric Sheep came to me and said, "We you we need you to adapt some PKD." That I would this would be like way way way, way down, down, down on the list. I wouldn't even bring it up unless they're like, "What about Kraken Space?" <sighs> yeah, fine. Um, and see, there you go. Cosmic Puppets is definitely one I would do before I would do this one. Oof. Yeah, I don't know. I fucking hate Cosmic Puppets, though. I think that's, I, but I, I can't imagine that this would have been if, if Phil had lived longer and seen the movies getting made. I don't think this is one he would put a priority on. No, that's probably why he didn't talk about it much at all, because he, it was forgettable. Yeah, I mean, you know? I, I think it's probably like Stephen King and Cujo, where he didn't even remember writing it. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Stephen King literally does not remember writing Cujo. Not, not one. Which I like one. Cujo, though. Uh, whatever. I'm slowly making my way through the Tommy Knockers. Oh, really? Slowly. See, you're still reading that. It's my uh, desk book. When I forget my Kindle or the book I'm uh, currently reading, I'll just grab it and read a few chapters. Right. Yeah, you started that one what last year? Yeah, pretty much. I'll read it right around the time I, I get around to reading <laughs> Final Blackout. Which you promised the listeners you would read. I did. Okay, Say so uh, what have we got going next? Earth is trapped in the crossfire of an unwinnable war between two alien civilizations. Its leader is perpetually on the verge of death, and on top of that, a new drug has just entered circulation, a drug that haphazardly sends its users traveling through time. In an attempt to escape Oops. his, in an attempt to escape his doomed marriage, fucking shocked that we're doing this again. <laughs> Doctor Eric Sweetson, this is the name I needed, right? This is it. Keep reading. Doctor Eric Sweetson becomes caught up in all of it, but he has questions. Is Earth on the right side of the war? Is he supposed to heal Earth's leader or keep him sick? And can he change the harrowing future that the drug has shown him? We are reading. 
Philip K. Dix. Now wait for last year. Hmm. That title sucks. That's it, folks. I like I like that title. Now wait for last year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. Uh, we'll wh- find out if I. Should. We'll find out if Don Wolheim came yeah. up with it or not. Uh, next time. <laughs> next Stay tuned. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, keep paranoid. Paranoia. Be all paranoid. Stay paranoid. Bye. <laughs>